What a wild, crazy night of professional wrestling action. I, I emphasize the word action. We saw a AEW world champion crowned. We saw an insane amount of violence. We actually saw an AEW show that I believe was actually longer than SummerSlam. And we saw the final pay-per-view before the AEW on TNT era and before the era of the Wednesday Night Wars, AEW on Wednesday nights on TNT versus NXT Wednesday nights on USA Network. And we're here to recap all of that from top to bottom. What's up, folks? My name is Fred Ricciani. This is TSC. We cover pro wrestling news, have interviews, reviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. Whew. We just had our main event. Chris Jericho taking on the hangman Adam Page. And it was Chris Jericho who defeated the hangman with the Judas Effect spinning elbow, shades of Johnny Bones Jones, pinning him clean in the middle of the ring. One, two, three. And Chris Jericho is your official first ever AEW All Elite Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. Now, this was a pretty damn good match, but in a very, very tough spot, and I'll tell y'all why. Unfortunately, this had to follow the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers, who absolutely, positively killed it and left it all out there in the freaking ring the match before. Earlier in the night, we had Cody Rhodes against Sean Spears with crazy interference from MJF. Tully Blanchard, who actually got pretty physical, and the legendary Arn Anderson, also of the Four Horsemen, like Tully Blanchard. We saw a damn good women's match. We had a crazy hardcore match that was a... I, I don't know. I, I think all the men backstage had a bet of whose career could be shortened first. It was, it was crazy. From top to bottom, AEW had something for everybody tonight. But there were a few complaints. The risks that were taken... Very reminiscent of the Attitude Era. And if you know anything about the Attitude Era and a lot of the talent that were participants and later victims of the Attitude Era, long-term, some of these bumps these dudes took were not good or very unnecessary. And considering you had a ridiculously hot crowd pretty much all throughout the night, yeah, I'd say maybe you should save some of that stuff for the TNT Era, but maybe that's just me. Uh, The show itself, Ran a bit long. You had the pre-show that started at 7. You had the main card that started at 8. This show just ended like 5 minutes ago, more or less midnight. 5-hour show. Pretty damn long. So, yeah, there were also a few production snafus here and there. But all things considered, for a company that's run, what, 5 or 6 shows? Let's see, what did they run? They ran Double or Nothing, Fight for the Fallen. And they, they ran the video game, uh, the v- Fighter Fest, whatever it was called. And this was like this is like their fourth event, I think. Like fourth or fifth event. Not bad. Selling out arenas. Hot crowd. A lot of buzz. Got a TV deal. Uh, there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of praise. But I think everybody has to remember something. AEW, just nine months in since they formed in January, at least officially formed and, and were established publicly. In nine months, they are more ahead than Impact Wrestling has ever been and ROH has ever been when it comes to being actual competition to WWE. And now that could all change within a year from now, 
two years from now. We don't know how this TNT deal is going to shake out, but Tony Khan, Shad Khan, the Jacksonville Jaguars ownership, ownership group, excuse me, they got a lot of money. They got a lot of resources. They got a lot of connections, and they got a whole lot of talent as we saw tonight. But it's a lot of talent that's also unproven on the big stage. But that's what makes it exciting to me. I'm old enough to remember when WCW was clicking on all cylinders. I'm old enough to remember reading about ECW and uh, PWI. Uh, I'm old enough to remember ECW on TNN, which I, I watched as a kid and was was very confused because you know uh, a nine year old Fred's not going to understand you know New Jack and Tommy Dreamer going through flaming tables and stuff like that. But but still, okay, I'm old enough to remember that. Hell, I worked with Spike TV uh, during the time when TNA countless times squandered opportunities to be viable competition. Uh, I mean, I started this website back when ROH got an HD net, which is now Access TV. And I thought, oh, that's the next step for ROH. They're going to step it up. And uh, it just, uh, well, never happened, even with the ownership of Sinclair Broadcast Group having God knows how much money. So AEW right now is presenting something for a lot of longtime fans like myself that we have not seen in about, what, 20 years? It's been a long time. So I'm excited to see what happens, but enough of all that. Let's get to the pay-per-view itself. There was no CM Punk. A lot of people were asking me in the live stream, did CM Punk show up? He did not show up, so sorry, y'all. It, he did do a Q&A at StarCast, which is like the fan fest that's linked to All Out, but he did not actually appear. And He said he's happy not wrestling. He'll listen to anybody when it comes to having a conversation, whether it be Triple H, Vince McMahon, Tony Khan, whomever, but he's ready to just go on vacation and hang out with his wife. So, hey, I can live with that. Okay, so here's what we had on the pre-show. I missed parts of this show just because my internet decided to, to crap out. Also had a prior engagement, so it was kind of going back and forth, but I was able to catch most of this card. But I, w- I was able to watch most of the Battle Royal. This was the 21-woman casino Battle Royale where the winner received a match for the inaugural AEW Women's title. Nala Rose won this. She was super dominant. She came off like a huge star. Uh, There were some surprises here. Mercedes Martinez, Emma, a.k.a. Tennille, who recently debuted on Impact Wrestling. Kind of weird, though, because Tennille kind of seemed like an afterthought. and She's a pretty big star, former WWE superstar and everything. Pretty underrated, in my opinion. Just kind of got eliminated like nothing. Uh, Eva Lise of Lucha Underground and... OG FCW pre-NXT fame. She she appeared in, in the Battle Royale as well. Uh, baby, this was a, a pretty fun match, I'd say. A little all over the place, but but pretty good. Dr. Britt Baker got, got her spots in. Great to see her back, bouncing back from a concussion. Brandy got eliminated like it, it, it was nothing. I thought she lasted a little bit longer. Awesome Kong looked uh, really good in the match, too. But uh, this was definitely the Nyla Rose show. She got the win. She gets the title shot. The AW Women's Belt looks beautiful and looks like kind of similar to the AW World Title. I dig it, and they'll be wrestling soon enough on TNT. We had Private Party defeat Angelico and Jack Evans. I missed this match, but I heard it was a, a whole lot of fun. This was a fun opener. SoCal Uncensored, Chris Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky beat the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. Not going to lie, when I first saw Marco Stunt, when I first saw Jungle Boy, I didn't know what to think. I'm like, okay, these are small dudes. Uh, I know that Jungle Boy is the, the son of the late, great uh, Luke Perry and seems like a nice kid and everything. Both guys seem like nice kids. And Luchasaurus is a big dude with a mask, but I've watched these guys the last few times in, in AEW. Uh, I watched some of their stuff on, on YouTube, and they definitely have some type of special crowd connection. And at the end of the day, look, 
Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy, probably not going to be your world champions or anything like that. But they have a special connection with this crowd. They really did tonight. They've had it every time I see them in AEW. And I think you need some acts that can actually be catered to kids. And I feel like the Jurassic Express, the Luchasaurus and the getup and everything and how impressive he looked tonight. And Marco Stunt looking like the, the kid from, from Stranger Things and Jungle Boy, you know, be, with, with his Hollywood lineage and being a hell of an athlete himself. I really think these guys could be marketable towards children and families. And, you know, I've done a complete 180 over the last few months with these guys. I, I don't like the fact that, much like throughout the night, a lot of these guys did some of the risks that were taken. It wasn't that bad tonight, but I've seen matches, independent matches where like Marco Stunts taking crazy bumps, breaking his leg. Jungle Boy's, you know, done some crazy flips and whatnot. So I would like these dudes to be careful for their sake, but hell of a match. SCU got the win. Would like to have seen the younger guys get the win, but. Hey, we, we got time. We got two months before AEW and TNT. Actually, technically less than two months, but still. A couple months before then, they got their time to get their ducks in a row. But this was a really good opener. Great showcase. Crowd was hot. Uh, I think they should just open a pay-per-view or any kind of show with, with SCU. They're always hot. They're great on the mic. True professionals. They've been around forever. Uh, I dig them, so that was really cool. We also had... The next match, which is very early in the card, in my opinion. Pac, not Pac. Apparently, I've been pronouncing it wrong. Pac, or so I just did it again. Pac, a.k.a. Neville of WWE fame, former Dragon Gate champion, Cruiserweight champion. He took on Kenny Omega and Holy Doodle Squad. I was watching this match. My jaw dropped at the finish here. I expected Kenny Omega to win. I expected maybe there, there to be some controversy, but no. The complete opposite happened. Yes, there was some, there was some high flying in this match. It was a lot of athleticism, but this was a violent match. I mean, these dudes were beating the hell out of each other. Pac looked like an absolute beast, a top guy that should have been a top guy in WWE. And it's quite unfortunate WWE just squandered countless opportunities with this dude. I mean, he, really, you had Enzo Amore beat this guy. This guy is absolute money. And the finish came when Pac locked him in some really weird like crucifix thing. I don't even know what it is. Like a weird crucifix had had his like hands clasped across like Kenny Omega's neck. Kenny Omega fell to his knee, passed out, and Pac wins via technical submission. Wow. I think it's safe to say now that whatever alleged visa issues Pac had are gone. And I think it's safe to say that Pac is here to stay in AEW, and hey, I ain't complaining. I know there's a lot of complaints by some people about you know the lower cards, some of the younger wrestlers on, on the AEW roster, but when it comes to the tippity-top guys, hard to argue between the elite, Cody Rhodes, between, <laughs> between Pac, I mean, the Lucha Brothers, there's some real genuine top talent here. We had a wild and crazy match called the Cracker Barrel Clash, which was sponsored by Cracker Barrel, and it featured Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela, fellow Jersey brother from nearby Asbury Park, my favorite beach town in New Jersey. This was nuts. If you're not familiar with these guys, how do I say this? This is nuts. This is something straight out of old school ECW. Jimmy Havoc got taped to a chair, got, had his mouth taped, but not before Janela and Allen put thumbtacks in his mouth. 
there was a spot where Darby Allen did what he called the, the coffin drop, which is like a trust fall dive, kind of like Kofi Kingston does, where he crashed through a table, through the cracker barrel. Uh, Joey Janela did some crazy dive as well, where he missed his target and fell splat. Uh, I should mention, too, that throughout the night, especially in the Omega and Pack match, these dudes were diving right near the damn guardrails. Now, a couple suggestions for AEW. One, y'all should move the guardrails back. Because I'm surprised these dudes were able to walk. Two, if you're going to do dives, do it near the freaking entranceway. Because every single time, crash and burn, crash and burn, crash and burn. You know, Knees clipped, leg clipped, shoulder clipped on that freaking guardrail. And my goodness gracious, like they were just asking for trouble, man. It was it was very reminiscent uh, of kind of like that new. I think it was like what was that show? It was a New Japan show. It was what a lot of the New Japan shows that they did last year. I forgot where it was at. It might have been California, but it was the show where Jay White wrestled Juice Robinson for the U.S. title, where Juice Robinson finally won the U.S. title. But a bunch of dudes had been crashing into the guardrail. And Jay White hit a suplex on Juice Robinson into the guardrail, knocking Jim Ross on his ass, causing Josh Barnett to hop the guardrail and chase away Jay White, which led to absolutely nothing uh, in terms of storylines anyway. So, yeah, very, very dangerous stuff here. And I was not the biggest fan of it. Uh, I would have preferred these guys not to try and uh, kill themselves. And at the end, it was Jimmy Havoc who got the pin on Joey Janela. Just, just... Crazy, crazy stuff here. I mean, it was entertaining, but in a very perverse, oh, God, you know, should I really be enjoying this kind of way? We had the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson defeating the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. Didn't really feel this match. All the guys involved work hard. The Dark Order looks like luchadors that were created in the WB2K community creation uh, section. Uh, not that great. Actually, they kind of look like the guys you'd face like in my career mode as well. Not not a big fan of this match. It was all right. Crowd loved the best friends. They loved the fact that they, they hug each other and they hold hands and everything else. But Dark Order got the win here. Nobody's really feeling this. So because they won, they received a first round bye in the AW World Tag Team Title Tournament. But the way that was explained on TV and online was they received a bye to the first round of the Tag Title Tournament. Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused too. I'm just going to... Let's just assume they have a first-round bye, because I, I was kind of confused by the wording there. We had a really good match between uh, Rio and uh, Hakura Shida, and the winner would face Nala Rose on the October 2nd TNT show. Rio got the win with a pinning combination. Really good stuff here. The JR kept emphasizing the fact that Rio's like 9,800 pounds soaking wet. She looked great. Hakura looked great. Really good stuff here. I enjoyed it. Oh, Christopher Rose, thank you for uh, bringing this up here on the live stream. So, after the Best Friends match, Orange Cassidy, who is the newest AEW signee, whose gimmick is, I I guess, a guy from Greece or Riverdale that doesn't care about anything, appeared in the ring, did a dive while having his hands in his pockets, came back in the ring with his hands in his pockets, got a big hug, crowd popped huge. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't get the gimmick. I mean, I, I get it. He does, he's a guy that doesn't care. Why I should care about a guy who doesn't care, I, I don't know. But I'll, I will say this. He's got a great look. He's got a swagger about him. Crowd really likes him. And I'd like to assume that the dude can actually wrestle 
because Cody Rhodes and the guys signed him. These guys happen to have a good eye for talent, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I would imagine he didn't get bookings overnight just by being this cool guy. I'm sure he has to be able to work. I'd like to at some point be able to see him actually have a real wrestling match, but you know, I, I think in small doses he's fine. If he's a dude that's winning one of your secondary titles, assuming like AEW has like a United States or Intercontinental title, yeah, I don't know about that. But you know what? In terms of variety, if you want to make it a buffet, as Cody says, uh, I think I think he's fine. Chris Rose also says, "I swear, Pac almost broke his foot on or Pac. It's going to take me some time to get used to that. Almost broke his foot on the guardrail. Yeah, that looked rough, really rough." Okay, Lucha Brother. Oh God, actually, oh, I almost skipped a match. Cody versus Sean Spears. This was a hell of a spectacle. I wouldn't call this a great match. I'd say as far as bell to bell, this was a good match, but the heat was off the charts. This was built up very well on YouTube. And with the presence of Tully Blanchard and later Art Anderson appearing in this match, along with MJF, who's one of the rising young stars, uh, this became an awesome spectacle. As a performance, I'd say overall, top to bottom, it was awesome. It worked for the crowd. If, you, if you're grading this on your know, work rate or you know, how technical was this, this was not a, I would say a classic match or anything. This was not at the level of Dustin versus Cody from the last pay-per-view or, you know, or the last like, singles match that Cody had uh, on pay-per-view before. Actually, no. He had Darby Allen and then he had against Dustin Rhodes. Was this, you know what? I'll say that this is the, the second best singles match Cody Rhodes has had in AEW. Darby Allen was really good. He tried to make him a star with that draw and everything. But there wasn't a whole lot of heat because a lot of fans didn't know who Darby Allen was. This had a lot of heat because of the fact that Sean Spears controversially hit Cody Rhodes with an unprotected chair shot. You got Tully Blanchard involved. You have the history of Cody Rhodes and Sean Spears being tag team partners in OVW. And it's a classic story. Sean Spears mentored Cody Rhodes. And Sean Spears was supposed to be the star of the team. Instead, he toiled around the Indies. He was cut several times from WWE. He eventually got a nice little run in WWE. Meanwhile, Cody rose to superstardom, maybe partially due to the fact that his dad was Dusty Rhodes. And now they clash. And all these years later, Sean Spears is ready to get his revenge. Cody ended up getting the win after lots of interference. There there was a spot where Sean Spears was taking away Cody's belt, tried to use it. Referee Earl Hebner admonished him, took away the belt. Then he took Tully Blanchard's belt, hit Cody Rhodes with it. There's a point where MJF got in the ring with Tully Blanchard, and they brawled. That was pretty cool. Uh, we started out the match with Cody Rhodes taking out Tully and, and chasing Sean Spears all throughout the, the crowd and everything, throughout the arena. And then when Arn Anderson run in, as Sean Spears was getting the upper hand, referee was, was outside or something or another. I don't remember what happened to Earl Hebner. He was out of sight, out of mind. Arn Anderson comes in. Fresh off of his no-compete clause at WWE after being released. Spine buster straight to hell. Cody Rhodes threw a chair at Sean Spears. Hit a disaster disaster t- kick, excuse me, easy for me to say, into the chair, into the dome of Sean Spears. Hit the crossroads. One, two, three, and Cody got the win. This was a bit of a polarizing finish because a lot of people would argue that Cody Rhodes does not need this win. Sean Spears needed this win to a lot of people. That being said, Cody Rhodes is one of your top guys. We are a couple months away from TV. I think it makes sense to keep him strong. 
You know, you can always reheat Sean Spears uh, when you get to TV. So I, I didn't mind this finish too much. Too, too much. I mean, t- technically, Sean Spears maybe needed to win more, but hey, it worked for the crowd. Cody's a huge star. Chris Jericho's going to need some challengers. And uh, that was that, but hell of a spectacle. And this is the thing I like about Cody matches. You know, he doesn't always take the biggest risks. He doesn't always do the biggest high spots. Okay, His matches aren't always the flashiest, but they more often than not, at least uh, in, in recent years, whether it be in NJPW, ROH, and now AEW, they almost always have the loudest crowd reactions. And I think a lot of guys and girls in AEW, and definitely outside of AEW, whether they're in a major promotion or not, can, can watch and learn from Cody and the way that he's built up his matches and gain that genuine crowd connection. And, it, and it's funny to think just a few years ago, WWE let this guy go because they thought he wasn't a star. They wouldn't even give him a chance to be a main eventer. They didn't, they didn't even do like a one-month run, a two-month run where he's like a world title challenger. Baron Corbin got a two-month run of being a world title challenger on Monday Night Raw. But Cody Rhodes can't even get one title shot one-on-one in his WWE career in 10 years. How crazy is that? Well, it is what it is, right? We got AEW. All right. We had... I mean, I, I thought the hardcore match was cra- was pretty crazy, but this uh, ladder match came close. Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix versus the Young Bucks for the AAA Tag Team titles. My... God, this was nuts. Just nuts. If you've seen these guys' matches before, very similar. All kinds of crazy spots. Moonsaults, super kicks, dives, frog splashes through tables, uh, dives through ladders. There was a, an insane spot where Pentagon hit a Canadian destroyer from the top of a ladder on Matt Jackson down in the ring through a table. Just crazy. Crazy. Hell of a match. What can I say? These guys absolutely destroyed each other for our entertainment. I wasn't a fan of all the risks. Uh, I, I do think they could have pulled back a little bit, especially for Phoenix, who was coming off of a knee injury just, what, last weekend? He got, he got his knee injured? This was nuts. Absolutely nuts. But... If you're going to take these risks, and I'm not condoning all the risks they took, but if you're going to take these risks, instead of doing it in a random triple threat match like like Janela and Allen and, and Havoc did, that's going to be forgotten about with all due respect in a matter of like six months or so, maybe even in a couple months, at least these guys did it in a main event. This more or less was the main event to the crowd. Uh, I mean, massive reactions, insane action, fight forever chance. This is awesome. And this, these weren't Pavlovian chants. Like, these were warranted. This was a hell of a spectacle. I watched this match with my dad. My dad straight up was like, you know, I don't really like ladder matches. I'm like, well, just sit down and see how you like it. And we both mutually agreed that, yeah, while this match was a little too damn crazy, it was absolutely positively entertaining. But, whew, nuts. And then we had our main event which some people might call the lame event, the lame duck main event, because it had to take place after this insane spectacle. Jericho versus Hangman Page. Hangman Page came to the ring with, with the freaking horse, doing cowboy-ish, as he said. Jericho coming out to Judas' Fozzie theme song. 
best theme song in AEW. I'm not trying to say that the AEW music composer that they have now is terrible. I'm just saying maybe he should take a week off and quit the business. Last time I checked, Jim Johnston, who used to do all the WWE themes back in the day, all the legendary themes like Steve Austin, Undertaker, so on and so forth. Last time I checked, he's no longer with WWE. So if I'm AEW, take take that checkbook out, put a lot of zeros, and send that to Jim Johnston and have him produce some of your music because uh, I think the theme songs here tonight were uh, a bit of a hit and miss. More so a, a miss, in my humble opinion. But Judas, great song from Chris Jericho. So they came out, had a match that could best be described as rough around the edges. Both guys busted their asses. Uh, Jericho had the early advantage. Hangman Page was doing his trademark Hangman Page stuff, diving, hitting the uh, springboard clothesline. Man, just really busting his ass to try to get a good crowd reaction here. It it, it was tough, though. This this match was a bit of a struggle because the crowd was tired. It was already past the 11 o'clock hour. Jericho got busted open as well. I'm assuming that he wasn't supposed to get busted open either that, or maybe he was supposed to blade and he bladed the wrong way. I don't really know. All I, all I know was that it looked rough. He was bleeding like crazy. I'm not saying you got to stop the match per se, but I don't know. When, when a guy's dripping like that, sometimes it might be a case where somebody should come out and wipe him down at least. I know it interrupts the flow of the match. I know it's a little different, but they were trying to make this UFC-style main event. Aubrey Edwards was the referee, first female referee to referee a pay-per-view main event uh, amongst men. This is for the vacant AW World title. Big spot for her. I thought she did a fantastic job. It would have been nice if she just said, time, kind of like a real UFC main event, and maybe just like kind of, you know, wiped him down a little bit. I don't think it would have killed the flow that much. Or if they were down and then she wiped him down. I don't know. Just because it looked bad, it looked like it was the hard way. It didn't look like it was something that was that that was planned, you know, could have affected his vision, you know, things like that. Also, too, before the match, they had Aubrey Edwards, the referee, on the microphone saying, we want a good, clean fight, you know, protect yourselves all the time. It's very similar to what they do in UFC. So if you're going to copy UFC, you know, maybe you take the same approach with cuts. But, damn, this was uh, definitely, again, uh, a hell of a spectacle. Hangman Adam Page uh, hit the buckshot. Hit his all his trademark moves. Jericho kept kicking out. Hangman got out of the walls of Jericho. Kicked out of the code breaker. And then at the end, Jericho, out of nowhere, hit the Judas effect. The spinning elbow shades of Johnny Bones Jones. Although uh, not as graceful, but, but still dangerous looking. And got the pin. One, two, three. Major pop for the title win. And Jericho caps off a legendary freaking career. He was the first undisputed champion in WWE history, six-time world champion, now a seven-time world champion, first-ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion, nine-time Intercontinental Champion, former NJPW Intercontinental Champion. I mean, the guys had titles on top of titles, headline WrestleMania, has headline Survivor Series, has headlined some of the biggest pay-per-views of all time, and here he is now at the ripe young age of 48, your world heavyweight champion for AEW. Wow. By the way, I didn't hate the main event. I really did like it. I'm just pointing out the fact that these guys were in a really tough spot. And I think not not that the world title match should have taken place before the tag title match, but I, I think if this took place earlier in the show or at a more at a more reasonable time for wrestling fans, like this would have been received better. But as far as the match goes, like bell to bell, I thought it was a damn good match, well worked match. Everything looked snug. I mean, it was violent. 
Okay, this looked like a real fight, and I really enjoyed the commentary. I, th- I thought Golden Boy and Excalibur and, and JR, they all emphasized like, hey, this is a night of heartbreak for Adam Page, but he will learn from this and he will come back. I thought they really did a great job of setting the stage. Uh, throughout the night, a little rough to be JR, though, because he clearly did not like the hardcore stuff. He didn't like a lot of the high spots and everything. Honestly, I can't blame him. You know, Darby Allen almost killing himself with that coffin drop. Yeah, not not for everybody. But overall, I got to say, All Out had something for everybody. I give it a thumbs up. A little too long. Some production snafus. Uh, with my, Well, I think that might have been my internet more. But, you know, I did have some issues before my internet went out with, like, the BR Live feed. So that's something they got to work on. But uh, nothing too crazy. The only real other snafu I could think of was Joey Janela when he did that dive on the outside. I think Havoc missed and Janela just went splat. The camera caught it late, so that was rough. And then at the end, when Jericho was holding the world title in front of the camera, you could hear the cameraman counting down 10, 9, 8, 7. I'm like, oh, man. Come on, man. But listen, they've done, they've barely done any shows. They're already selling out arenas. They got a freaking TV deal with TNT. Granted, it's an ad-supported TV deal, so I don't believe they're actually getting any real money out of this deal outside of what they get in ad revenue for the time being. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're doing all right for themselves. They got a whole lot of momentum and now all we can do is wait. Now all we can do is wait until October 2nd and, uh, see what happens there. And actually my bad October 2nd is in a month. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking a couple months like this has gone by so freaking fast, right? Just a few months ago, we heard all elite wrestling is being formed. Then we hear about, Double or nothing. Then we hear about the TV deal. I mean, things change like that. A year ago was it was around the time of All In, and, and we didn't know how that was going to shake out and everything. Yes, the Elite had a lot of help from ROH Production and, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, among other entities, but we didn't know how that was going to shake out. Turned out to be a big success. A lot of us still thought, hey, maybe uh, the Elite's going to stay with New Japan and ROH. Maybe they're going to go to WWE. Out from the ashes came AEW. I saw a great tweet from somebody. I don't remember who tweeted it, but they summed it up perfectly. Wrestling evolves in dog years, meaning it changes like that. And definitely going to be changing the next few months. So before I go, let's get to some questions and comments here. Scott Anderson says, Cody Rhodes is a face while MJF is still a heel. And helping Cody was a bit strange. Yeah, it, it was a little bit. Uh, weird, weird dynamic for sure, but it seems to be working for the hardcore AW crowd. Uh, that That's the thing I'm curious about. A lot of these acts are working very well for the hardcore AW crowd, the hardcore wrestling fan. How are they going to translate to AW on TNT to a more mainstream audience? That remains to be seen. I, I am a big believer in, in the idea of that if you can draw 100 people, if you could draw 1,000 people, you can eventually draw 10,000 people. Because you look at all the case studies. Kevin Owens, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Seth Rollins when he was Tyler Black, uh, Samoa Joe, among other guys. You see a lot of these guys that came from the independents that eventually transitioned to WWE. They all became big stars. Now, some of them in today's era, like Kevin Owens, aren't really put in a position to be big draws or booked like big draws because it seems like WWE's incapable of booking top baby faces consistently these days. But he's held his own. He's sold merch. He's done very well. Seth Rollins has done very well for himself. Like 
I think CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are like the best examples of, of those guys that kind of broke the barrier. You know, a lot of people said, oh, they're too small or there's indie geeks or whatever. They became some of the biggest stars that he's had in the last decade. So I, I think for the elite, the top guys, the fact that they're already so over and got a lot of buzz, even though they haven't had that WWE exposure, I, I think they'll be all right. I think a guy like Kenny Omega, the Bucks, that'll translate. What might be tougher is some of the other acts, the younger guys, again, like the Jungle Boys, the Marco Stunts, the Darby Allens, the Joey Janellas, guys like that. But you look at Joey Janela, say what you want about the guy's style and taking the crazy risks. He's drawn some of the biggest independent crowds in the country, being a, essentially a self-promoter. I mean, he works at Game Changer Wrestling, a few other promotions, but more or less he's drawing based on his name value. Usually these shows are like Joey, Joey Janela's Lost in New York, Joey Janela's Spring Break, Joey Janela's This or That. So... He's proven that on a small level, he can draw, which, again, is more than a lot of independent promotions can say over the years. I mean, think about it. A few years ago, it was inconceivable that Ring of Honor could even do five to 6,000 people. A couple years back, they did that due to the Hardy Boys, due to the Elite and everything else. A few years ago, MSG being sold out by New Japan Pro Wrestling. Are you kidding me? Look what happened. A few years ago, Dave Meltzer said, eh, I don't, I don't think uh, ROH or any independent group can draw 10,000 fans to arena. That's all changed. The game has changed, folks, and time will tell. I think NXT UK TakeOver had a much better flow. Um, I don't know. I, I, it, it was a bit, I think it was a shorter show. I really did enjoy the Tower Bait and Walter match. Walter retained the UK title against Tower Bait. I did think that match went a little long. Some people might hate me for saying that. I think it went a little long. Great match. Uh, but if you're trying to get over Walter as a killer and everything, I think Tower Bait lasted a, a little too long with them. Hell of a match. Worked for the crowd. Overall, most people liked it. But I remember I was, I was getting ready because I, I had a prior engagement I had out to. Uh, then I was in the car on, on the way. Uh, my, my sister was driving. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll catch this match on my phone. That, that, that drive. So I was wait, I was getting ready. It was like 20 minutes. That was driving. That was like 15, 20 minutes. Match was still go- felt like it was still going on. It was, it was crazy, but hell of an effort. And you know what? They did a, a super long match, a hard hitting match in the main event of pretty much an NXT UK takeover pay per view, right? It, it's it takeover, so more or less NXT's pay per view. So if you're going to do a long, grueling, hard hitting match, you might as well do it in the main event of a pay per view. And unlike, uh, you know, all out, this ended at a reasonable time, at least Eastern time. I'm not sure when it ended in in the UK, but here, you know, definitely ended at a reasonable time. What do you think about Cody Rhodes going over? I'm fine with it. You know, I don't, I don't have a, a huge issue with it. Again, they, they have time. Look, they have TV. They still have a huge social media presence. Uh, I think, I think time will tell, but they, I think they'll be fine for now. I, I really do. Who do you think is the top guy in AEW right now to eventually become world champion? I mean, Hangman Page. I think Hangman Page. He's he's clearly he's clearly right now in that in that position. Um, the only uh, the other guys I'd say MJF down the road. He's still young. I I give him some time, but he's he's a great prospect. I really like Pentagon Junior. I know he's in the tag team with his brother Phoenix, but as a singles competitor in Lucha Underground Impact Wrestling, he's he's always shown massive potential to me. He's a guy I think that could definitely transcend with that audience. Forgot to mention too, by the way, that LAX appeared and uh, attacked everybody after the Bucks match. 
and they are officially a part of the AW roster now. I don't think they have the, they can use the LAX name. I guess Impact wanted to keep it, but definitely a great signing for their tag team division. So overall, I got to say, thumbs up for All Out. I wish them the very best, AEW the very best. And uh, yeah, I think it's time to get on out of here. But folks, if you enjoyed this recap, if you enjoyed the show, please like, share, take care, leave a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. We got a lot of content coming up I think you'll like. I just did an interview with New York Mets All-Star Jeff McNeil with his team currently in a heated National League wildcard playoff race, so definitely check that out. we got some more pro wrestling stuff coming your way. So until next time, everybody, take care, like, and share. Please don't forget to subscribe and enable notifications for more updates like this. And as always, enjoy the matches.